You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Good morning, Giants fans, and welcome back to another episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Cranky? Oh, Grump, how is your vocal cords? You were talking last night for 37 straight hours uh, <laughs> on, on the Talking Giants show. I, I, I uh, jumped into the chat a little bit. Last night was my anniversary, so we had a wonderful dinner in the city. Of course, with both of our phones, you know, on the on the uh, on the table, you know, following the draft very closely. But uh, that's, hey, listen, very cool. That's all I have to tell all you kids out there. <laughs> so, if you're in an anniversary and the draft is going on, you can you know follow along with the draft. But uh, um, I'm glad you had a great dinner. I had no dinner. Uh, I went there to eat pizza and, and I had a slice and then I, I think the cleaning lady threw out the rest of the pizza. I heard. That's when I that's when I jumped onto the chat that the pizza was gone. I so I, I, had, rec- I had a slice of pizza yesterday at I, I guess it was like maybe seven o'clock. Um and then I had a sandwich at one AM when I got home. You know, I recommended in the chat that you guys should call that place up from Mobile that you ordered the pizza from. Maybe they delivered <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, snacks is supposed to be there tonight, so maybe. Yeah, well, actually, Snacks and I were texting. We were going to go down to the station and either streak across the street or just beat the hell out of all three of you guys. But we decided not to do anything. But no. it's probably smart because I don't, I don't know who is going to beat up Bobby. So, um, all right. So you know, people have heard plenty about what I have to say, um, and I'm I'm going to chime in a little bit here. But I, you haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this this day one. Uh, so first things first, the Giants were able to select Kayvon. Thibodeau at five. Um, they get the second best edge rusher in the entire class, somebody that was mocked as the number one overall player for like the entire college season. They get him at five, and they finally compliment Aziz Ojalari on the other side. They finally have this alpha number one edge rusher and a very quality number two edge rusher. How did you feel about the pick? Well, again, I think this kind of goes back to our last show. And what we talked about, Kayvon Thibodeau, even going back to, if this draft would have been back in January or February, he might have been the number one pick in the draft. And how we felt that just so much time goes on and narratives have to be written and rewritten about guys. And he became the one where, is his brand more important than him as a player? And it you know, probably negatively affected him. It definitely changed people's perspectives about him. And then, you know, you had mentioned that guy who had said, oh, I have inside word that he's off the board. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Nobody should be off anybody's board unless they, you know, killed somebody. I mean, Lionel Tunzel dropped on a board because he was smoking. The video of him came out smoking weed, but that doesn't mean he wasn't on anybody's board. Yeah, I agree. But also, that that was a draft day kind of panic thing. So I don't think he was off anybody's board, mainly because nobody knew about it until the day started. Yeah, but I mean, and not even the day that was like like an hour and a half before the draft. But you know, that's that's unknown questions to me is a bigger concern than what Thibodeau is. Where again, it just became perception and a narrative that just kind of snowballed 
out of control a little bit. Um, I think that the Giants front office, you know, Joe Shane and, and, and Dable and all those guys did a, a masterful job of keeping what they really wanted to do close to the vest. I think they used some media members that, you know, think that they're insiders to kind of leak stuff that they wanted out there to sway perception. And it was not the way they were looking to go at all. I mean, the whole thing about Cross they were trying to get, that never, that didn't happen. Although that's kind of what the smoke signals were. The Thibodeau thing, I think, was a smoke symbol that they might have thrown out there. Um, what, did you, what did you think of the strategy of picking him first before, the, the, before Neil? So to me, the way I look at it is there were two risks here. Um, they could take their choice of tackles, any of the tackles, at mm-hmm. five and um, assume that Tibbs is probably going to move past six to seven because the Panthers desperately, desperately need like three offensive linemen. That O-line stinks. Right. Um, the, the problem is you have to worry that someone's going to trade up to six. Because the Panthers, like I said, they desperately need offensive linemen. They need players. They will trade down and acquire picks. Um, so what he did is he he ensured that no one would trade up to get Kayvon Thibodeau. They took him. You know what I mean? He's off the board. And they were guaranteed to get one of their tackles. But what they lost in that scenario was the ability to trade down, in my opinion, from seven. That got vanquished the moment he took Thibodeau first because there's no way that Right. That Neil, Aquanu, and Cross are all going to be there. And then there's a massive drop-off in tackle talent. And it right. just becomes, do you really risk taking the fourth best tackle in a class where the tackles aren't really that good? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he took the safe bet. It absolutely was in my heart to get a first-round pick for next year. But he also said that he got calls from three different teams for the pick at seven, and we'll get into the pick at seven next. But he got three different calls for the pick at seven and and didn't take them, partially because I don't think he could take them. But also, from the trades that we saw last night, and there were like a million, not one of them was A for a quarterback, and not one of them involved picks for next year, first-round picks for next year. None of them. So if that wasn't on the table, then I'm okay. Take the tackle by all means. Avenue. So it, it turned out, I think, for the best. I think it's actually a bigger thing than that. I, I you know, I completely agree with you one hundred percent about the opportunities may not have presented themselves to make the pick for the future, you know, and just the way that things kind of flowed this year. But to me, this is something I think is very important, giant fans, if they don't want to believe it, they don't want to accept it, this is a fact, and they proved it last night. This front office is committed to seeing what they have in Daniel Jones. They are not thinking yet, well, when he fails next year, we're going to put ourselves in position to get a new, another quarterback. They are working under the working model that they are evaluating and they think he might succeed. You know, they're, and they decided to fortify this team this year, make this team better right now with the assets that they have so next year, you know, you, you, you'll get a better opportunity to evaluate Daniel Jones. You'll have a better right tackle for him, and we'll see how it plays out in the rest of the draft. But they are not giving lip service to, well, we're going to see what we have and make our decision. Um, you know, they didn't commit to Daniel Jones because they're not picking up the fifth-year option, but they are committed to, to that full evaluation period. And you know something? 
if it doesn't work out with him and they need to move on, they can make that deal next year if they have to. And they won't, they'll be in a little more position of strength because you're not going to be gutting, you know, there'll be pieces on this roster from this year's draft. They'll make this team better so they can withstand if they have to trade, you know, the 2024 first round pick, for example, to move up to get the quarterback and everything. So um, time will tell if that was the right move or not, but I definitely think this was a decision they made that, you know, when they said something about that, unlike some of the, you know, the, the pre-draft posturing and things they said, believe them when they said they are going to go through the Daniel Jones experiment and see what happens. So I, I don't want to get into this totally yet, but mm-hmm. is there a possibility that they are not fully committed to Daniel Jones and that they take Malik Willis at 36? Possible. But now I, they I, but I mean, do you think it, is it ten percent or less or is it more? I think it's less. I think if they are if they are still not sure about Daniel Jones, I very seriously doubt they would draft a guy who there is a lot of questions about. A lot of upside potential, but a lot of questions also. I think if they're gonna move on from Daniel Jones, they want to minimize the risk as much as possible, and they will go big game hunting next year. And there are still, even though we had a great day one, there are a million holes on this team that need to be filled now. You know, there are depth things, uh, almost every position on this team that need to be filled now. They need to fortify this roster now and then, you know, make that stretch. And then also, if you're going to fully evaluate Daniel Jones this year, is it really wise having that that quarterback on the roster where you know there's going to be a lot of noise, you know, outside the building and potentially inside the building with another quarterback like that? I think if you're making the the, the commitment to be uncommitted on Daniel Jones, be all in and sink or swim with him next year. Yeah, I just can't see it happening. I, I don't like Malik Willis. I think the mechanics are are just it, it's such a huge project. I. This this team is just not in a position to take on projects right now. This is this, this is this is a family wishing they could buy a boat when when they can't <laughs> afford groceries. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I guess it's possible. You know, Matt Corral is also still sitting around there. I, I don't know what they think of him or, or anybody else for that matter. Um, but yeah, okay. So I, I agree with you, and I, you know, yeah. they are building the trenches. At, at pick seven, they picked Evan Neal. Um, for the record, I'm going to go through my top three on my big board. So the Giants picked at five and seven. My top three on my big board. Do you know what they were? They were Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau. So they got my second best player at seven and my third best player at five. That's pretty incredible. Um, Evan Neal is is a, a freak of nature. He is 6'7 and 350 pounds. Um, and on top of that, he's wildly athletic. Um you finally now have someone who could probably fill in at left tackle if needed, if Andrew Thomas gets hurt and not embarrass himself over there, uh, mm. playing at right tackle where he should be locked down. I mean, he is a very good tackle. He's very athletic. You can do lots of things with him. Run game stuff could use a little bit of work. And don't get me—he's not a perfectly clean tackle. You know what I mean? There's there's things that can be worked on, but this is a this is a plug and play starter at right tackle, and they've needed that since. I don't know. When did the Cold War end? Apparently it hasn't. Well, good, good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so what was your reaction to Evan Neal at seven? I mean, they, they had Charles... Aquanu was off the board at six. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they had their choice of Charles Cross and, and Evan Neal or trading down or, or anything else. I mean, I'm pretty sure I, – I don't remember my exact reaction. I believe I was fist pumping because Evan Neal is my OT1. Evan Neal was my player one in this by big board. There you go. So I just – you know, as soon as like you know picks one, two, three started falling, I'm like there's a really good chance we're going to get this guy. You know, and you know with Houston taking Stingley, that really set the board the option up. Uh, I am beyond thrilled. Um, one thing I want to say, want to ask you, and it's a question we can partially answer now. We're still going to have to wait for the answer. Does this change at all your perception of the trade from last year? Because the Evan Neal pick is the the, the Chicago Jets. Bears. That's pick. the Bears pick, uh, right? No. Um, so this is I was I was walking to Penn Station uh, from from the studio last night with Danny King, and we were talking about how excited we were uh, because it was like this weird lull, right? Like Giants picked very early in the night, and we were really excited, and then we're just kind of watching the draft together. Right. We we left, and then we just kind of sitting there and remembered that the Giants got two studs. Uh, and then we started talking about it versus last year, and I was like, I was really excited last year, but it was more for the trade than obtaining Kadarius Tony. So mm-hmm. I had this weird anticipatory excitement. You know, like we had a good day one last year, but half of it, not even half of it, almost three quarters of the, the of excitement of it was a carryover into this year. So we're right. finally seeing that. So it doesn't change my perception. This is actually like this is the this is the the finishing touch. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we 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 thought that pick was so important that we were going to go to Chicago to watch two of the worst teams in the league play in January. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> it almost happened. That, that's, that's what we thought at the when we first you know made the plans to make the trip. That was what our thought was. Well, we, we were going to go anyway. There was a snowstorm. That's exactly we were, right. We were very close to going anyway. But when we were making our plans back in you know the fall and stuff, it's like we thought the Giants would be better than they were. And we're like, this game is doubly important. This might be for a potential playoff spot for us and also to ensure that our draft pick will be better and better. Mm-hmm. Are you more excited about Thibodeau or are you more excited about Neil? I'm more excited about Neil. Uh, it's not particularly close. I uh, d- Don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled to have Thibodeau. I'm, I'm thrilled to have the edge presence. Um, but we did our depth chart thing uh, the last episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And I yes. had everything broken down into musts, needs, and, and strongly consider and all that stuff. And, and to me, edge is a need. It was a strong need, probably the strongest need, but it wasn't a absolute must in this draft. The must, the only draw to the must was a compelling argument made by you in that we're not picking up here very often. We don't want to be picking up here anymore. We're here now. There's a guy that's going to be there. We should take him. And that's that's a very compelling argument. But just from a roster standpoint, I didn't see the strong need for an edge rusher the same way I saw it at corner with James Bradbury likely gone. Safety where we don't have any depth and Julian Love probably shouldn't be starting. And most of all, right tackle where Matt Gano cannot be a starter can't be a starter so i am more excited about evan neal because that was the number one must and edge was only a number one need um but 
I'm thrilled. I mean, having Aziz Ojolari had a fantastic rookie year, far better than I actually expected from him. He's crazy young. Uh, he has a lot of development to go through, but he has the tools to work with. And he had basically no pass rush supporting cast. So I expected very little from him last year. And he still managed to have a really, really solid year for a rookie. Now he gets to play. He's bulked up. If you saw that picture of him, he looks ridiculously jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't and, have to be the man either anymore. And he doesn't have to be the man anymore, man. And, and, and you know, this is a new system that, that uh, prioritizes pressure, uh, which will make things easier. He's going to see a lot more one-on-ones. Uh, and he might be setting up other people to get sacks as well. So maybe his numbers, his production won't be there. But but this is an overall great thing for this defense. Um, and if they can pair them up with a solid corner to really lock down the outside with uh, Dory Jackson and then this guy and then have two pass rushers, they're already better than they were last year. And they were pretty good last year. The defense let, was not bad last year. And let's remind fans, Giant fans one thing, and I it didn't have to say this, but it's does bear reminding the rebuild of the giants doesn't take one year this is year one of the rebuild you know now next year they can supplement via free agency via the draft via trades via you know uh free agent pickups or whatever you know cut down guys this this roster will get better and better so now you don't have to go for the home run for every little pick next year because now you're getting your Corners down foundational pieces on both sides of the ball. So I really couldn't have been any more happier the way this draft panned out. I, I really can't so far. You know, for all the talk of hog mollies, it finally feels like we're actually addressing the trenches. Uh, well, that was my other that was my other key point I have written over here. It's like it's no more talk. We're actually doing something we said we've been doing for a generation. Yeah. The, the, the supposed identity of this franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I got, I got, I didn't even know what to say. I was just so excited last night and I was in a car, so I can't really tweet and I'm driving home from Secaucus and I was just like, trench warfare. It feels like trench warfare. We're finally building up that middle. I want to dominate on both sides of the line. Um, that once being we, said, well, go ahead, go ahead. Once we get, you know, past the draft and everything, I'm very, very excited to start doing our position dra- uh, breakdowns post draft because I'm very interested in what your analysis is going to be of this offensive line right now i mean again there may be another piece or two added in the draft we we don't know but it definitely changes you know the dynamic of what this line's going to be from a bunch of guys that are stab gap guys to guys who we we picked up before the draft that are now become depth pieces um yeah i there there is still work that needs to be done on the offensive line oh it's not done it's yeah. not done but, but but so so who's still missing? We have three picks today in two rounds, one second and two thirds. What do the Giants still need here? What do they need to get here specifically? Uh, well, actually, what do they need to come away from the draft with? They, they've already nailed to a, a must and a need for me. Uh, the way I look at, it, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you my quick bullet points. I'm not gonna get into too much detail here, but um, I think the number one thing here is they still need a corner. Uh, I am yep, not banking on James Bradbury being here. So that's, that's number, number one. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I am – I would say the next four are all really tight for me. I think they still need a safety. Um, that's my number two. I, I don't like the idea of Julian Love being the starter, and I hate the idea that there's no depth there. And I don't want to fill the depth up with just a shitload of UDFAs. That's not going to cut it for me. No, no. Um, the Giants still need a tight end. They've they've addressed it a little bit with Seals Jones and Atkins, but those guys should not be the first two guys 
in the that's lineup. My number, that's my number four. Okay. Um, that one I have maybe only slightly ahead of this one because of the way the, the, the draft pieces kind of fall. But the Giants desperately need interior offensive linemen. Um, they now have a playable roster on the offensive line, but there's a lot of uncertainty at center and left guard, and they should be thinking about the right guard of the future behind Glowinski as well. So all three interior I, positions, I think, can be addressed. I feel that's a big need, but again, as we start dipping down into the third, fourth, fifth round, are we really going to get the guy that's going to be the adequate piece we need there? I think or so. A, a guard and center, yes, I do think so. Those are oh. those are your middle-round guys that can be starters. We see it all the time with the inter- – those, those, center is more difficult, but, but guard – those guys, they come from all parts of the draft. You know, there's okay. there's obviously the Quentin Nelsons of the world, but they are so rare. And Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, those guys are so rare that go in the first round. A lot of day two guys are absolute starters in this league, just not okay. Will Hernandez. Um, I also have... Well, he was on the path. Yeah, yeah. The Giants still desperately need inside linebacker. Um, you know, Blake Martinez post ACL is not ideal. It's also the last year of his deal, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Tay Crowder, th- that's less than ideal there. Uh, and it's a big part of – they need a captain. I mean, Blake Martinez came he- coming here. Tay was... Crowder, Tay Crowder was a Mr. Irrelevant. It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, for a Mr. Irrelevant really to make a roster is a pretty good achievement. It, it's a story when that does happen. It's true. And the fact that we're kind of relying on him, you know – third year in that tells me we need to have a talent upgrade um I, I, that, that's that's what i have um right now those are those are I, what i think they absolutely need to come away from everything else would be gravy but they I, I mean obviously they need help everywhere i think they need a wide receiver still okay i feel like you know there's names on paper but you know until and I've been defending the guy from day one, but until, you know, you see Kadarius Tony lined up on the first offensive snap of the of, of the season, healthy and ready to go, there's still going to be some question marks. Uh, everybody else, you know, there's injury concerns. You mm-hmm. know, we, the last couple of years, we've had to go through the season and pick up guys off the street to be wide receivers. And I don't, I don't feel that much more comforted in what we have right now we have a bunch of guys that we, we, we brought back but they're still you know the sterling shepherds but there's there's questions now where do you place that need like where where do they need to address it um like do you place that as a priority where they need to get a guy that's going to be rock solid for this team like a, a day two guy round two round three maybe round four where you're looking at long term he's going to be here for a couple of years or are you getting somebody that's just like can you wait until round five and six and just get somebody that, like, maybe they'll develop, maybe they won't, but they'll absolutely help this year at least? I'm kind of feeling a little more – I'm a little more towards the former. I, I, I kind of feel like it's – you know, we, we still have question marks at tight end. We don't know what's happening there. You know, uh, and again, if we're trying to put Daniel Jones in the best possible position to succeed – I want him to have some more weapons that we do now, more ones he can count on. So it, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem logical that wide receiver is that important. But in this unique situation that they're in right now, in this phase of this evaluation of Daniel Jones and this part of it, I think I would maybe accelerate the need for a wide receiver a little more than I would normally 
you know, another different different circumstances. Yeah, I guess I didn't really consider that Kadarius Tony is like just barely ever on the field. Kenny Galladay has injury concerns where he's not on the field all that often. Sterling Shepard is coming off of an injury. Darius Slayton is always injured and also not that consistent. I was what I was going to say is like you know you can kind of get the tight end and fill two roles here right like you get a pass catcher that helps out the wide receiver group a little bit to move the chains in that kind of regard but also to help with the blocking and tight end is just a need in general it can kind of cover up that wide receiver thing you know what I'm saying but now that I think about it like you're right there's not one reliable wide receiver on this roster they all have injury concerns at the very least in addition to talent concerns beyond that yeah so, and even and even a guy like Kenny Galladay, you saw how frustrated he early in the season he was last year. It's like you don't know if he's going to be you know, another year of frustration. What kind of if he turns into a head case or not? I mean, it's and he also didn't have a touchdown catch last year. He wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, you can only you can only pin so much on the offense and the quarterback and the offensive line and the tight ends and the I'll, scheme. I'll, I'll say this: he did he didn't excel beyond the scheme he didn't he didn't rise above it but i mean it, right. it was very very hard for him to do that he's understandable yeah. but for the amount of money we paid for him at the time we paid for him i need him to you know outkick his coverage a little bit and he was certainly a fair catch sure sure um yeah, yeah. you know what now that i'm thinking more and more about it. see the thing is i i think they need a they need a starter at tight end in my opinion and, and the problem is I know that like guys like Jake Ferguson and mock drafts and stuff are all the way at five, and and Daniel Jeremiah doesn't uh, round five. I mean, and Daniel Jeremiah and like all these well, I don't know. I just picked the name, but these these mock draft people that do this for like a living, they have guys like that really really low on their boards. I just don't think that teams view them in that way. The film is too good on these guys to be so late in the draft. I just don't well, think it's going to fall that way. I, I could be absolutely wrong. So uh, I'm, well, I'm that's worried. What we'll find out. Yeah. You know, again, this is still the first year of this administration, and we're we're still trying to learn what their preferences are, what they're looking for in a guy, you know, what their evaluation consists of. I mean, we're all kind of in the dark a little bit, you know, not only us as fans, but media members, other teams, they're still trying to figure it out too. I mean, if we're in year four of this, I think we can probably say something like, well, you know, this tight end fits what we are looking for and what we're trying to do. He might mock higher than you know where he's being projected, but I think it's tough to tell right now. Um, all right, so closing thoughts. How, how are we feeling about uh, day two here? I mean, I've having a great day one makes you feel better about day two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the things you saw, the way I think they kind of outfoxed people to get the guys they wanted. I think they got a little luck in somehow some guys fell. Now it's just let's see how their big board matches up with, you know, other teams and getting the guys that they want. So I'm, my confidence in this crew has gone up since yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really all you can do right now. Now we just kind of sit back, we get our popcorn, and, and, and we watch and see who we get. Absolutely. And I will be eating popcorn on live on YouTube on the Talking Giants channel again tonight. Um, You're on again? I'm on again tonight. This is my last night doing it. Uh, Saturday, I will be off uh, and relaxing and just checking Twitter. Um, I will be at uh, Lightning Islanders, but I will be much more plugged in, and I will be, I will be commentating as I can on Twitter as things are going on. So, mm-hmm. so be sure to uh, check that out 
uh, as well. And then we're going to have some episode next week where we kind of react to the entire draft, break things down. And then we have some exciting stuff coming up that we're getting some other guys on the show. And we'll have a nice big post-draft talk. And I am excited for that. I'm very excited about that. So be sure to follow this show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, and follow me on Twitter at football, football underscore grump and at the cranky fan. And the show is at just giants pod. And make sure to watch the, uh, the talking giants feed where, uh, mm-hmm. grump will do another great job. Like he did last night. It was really good. Wait, I, wait. Uh, yeah. Bobby, Bobby and Justin run a very tight ship. They have things very organized and, uh, it was nice and easy. And also that studio is beautiful. Um, yeah. So be sure to, to check them out as well if you don't already. And if you're watching NFL Network or ESPN, you are losing. The Ugh. better way to do it is to watch oh, us. Oh, you don't like Mike Greenberg with his white bread vanilla toast uh, saying nothing? <laughs> vanilla toast. <laughs> um, I don't like any of it, to be honest with you. But, you know, like the, we were complaining the whole night. The feed was behind. Whatever. Point I want to know what color hair Mer- Mel Kiper Jr.'s hair is now. We were watching the NFL Network one last night. Yeah, it's some sort of weird, chestnutty. I, I don't know. It, that was one of the big draft questions I had. Was and if I were color hair, he has. Well, you know it's a good draft when you're more worried about that than anything. Else. Exactly. All right, guys. We will catch you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.